Hello, and welcome to Celluloid Citizens, a podcast about film. I'm Brian O'Connell. I'm Sean M. Thompson. And I'm Christopher Burke. And today we're going to be talking about the 2018 horror film Climax, written and directed by uh, French provocateur Gaspar Noé. Um, it, it stars Sophia Boutella, Kitty Smile, Roman Giermek, uh, Suhiri, uh, uh, like a bunch of bunch of people. It's it's an ensemble film, really. Um, it was shot by Benoit Deby, uh, edited by Dennis Bedlow, Denis Bedlow, I should say, and Gaspar Noé, and it was choreographed by Nina McNeely. I thought we should mention the choreographer this time because this is, you know, this is a movie where the dance is front and central to everything that goes on. So, uh, so yeah, um, this is now, I mean, we've done it sort of separately, but this is now the third Gaspar Noe movie we've covered on this podcast, I think. Yeah. Right. So Sean, you and I did irreversible and, yeah. uh, Chris, I know you did, uh, enter the void with Sean. I've never mm-hmm. seen that one still, um, which I'd like to, uh, but, this is probably, maybe other than Irreversible, but this is probably the film for which he's he's maybe most known. I mean, it was certainly uh, the the one that got the most attention in my circle um, as someone who didn't know Gaspar Noé at the time. And uh, it's probably, I'm going to open this with by making the claim... And I don't think anyone will dispute it, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on it all the same. Um, that this is Gaspar Noe's most accessible film. Would we agree with that idea? That Climax is, compared to other Gaspar Noe films, uh, a little more entry-level and accessible than something like Irreversible or Enter the Void? I'd, I'd say so. I mean... I just think the nature of it and it's trying to draw you in and introduce you to this ensemble cast and make you comfortable with them and then get you into the dancing and just the nature of that sort of immersive element is a little, it's just a different dynamic than um, Irreversible, which starts with somebody's face getting smashed (laughs) in or Enter the Void, which sort of starts in this first person-ish kind of thing where you're with a drug addict. What do you think, uh, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I'd say that's pretty much an agreeable statement. I mean, I mean, I, I think that it kind of just depends on what you mean by accessible. If it like, because this does have the barest of plots to it, and it's really just all about the experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of necessarily understanding all the time what he's going for in in choosing to steer away from narrative and just focus on the experience, really, like that that is actually I think a little bit thornier to unpack and. Yeah, you know, I, I think mainly focusing on narrative would make that an, an easy thing to say, but then on other topics, maybe not so much. But that's long way true. of saying yes. <laughs> I basically yeah, agree. the 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 form of presentation um, of this whole thing, as as is typical with um, you know this director, is very unconventional. I mean, this is well, not very unconventional, maybe, but but you know, not. Um, not is he he doesn't tell the story in a in a straightforward manner um and it's you know it's sort of interesting to note that this film was 
sort of assembled very loosely and a lot of Gaspar Noe films are like that but in this case it was literally it was shot in two weeks so just you know that's a tight shoot um with no rehearsal and his he didn't have a script for the film it was a one-page outline of some various things that he wanted to happen in the film but most of it was actually improvised by the the cast members um only two of whom had acted before this so all of these are newcomers to to film um and i mean you could probably guess which of the plot developments are Gaspar Noé's inventions um but most of the dialogue most of the you know um even just the 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 developments in the plot were decided sort of on the spot by the cast and um even even such fundamental things as the way the film opens were actually almost added on as as afterthoughts so it is sort of a, a shaggy beast in terms of um how it was assembled but i think that personally i find the the result to be i don't know very i mean very tightly crafted and and well done i mean i guess it depends upon the expectations you bring into this sort of movie like when when did everybody first see this just out of curiosity because this is like my fourth viewing so you know i have a different outlook on it each time but you know did you guys see it when it came out or only a couple of years later or you know when um i think i saw it a few years after it came out um just real quick i'm gonna feed my cat i'm not gonna take a break you guys just talk about it and i'll be right back okay uh, that's okay i i saw it for the first time about two years ago uh it actually surfaced in my facebook memories because i wrote up a, just a quick blurb about it at the time uh so I, I saw it maybe six months to a year after it came out i would guess uh or at least in the u.s i think it's 2018 release but i don't know how quickly it was available in the u.s um, yeah. And so like, I, I liked it the first time and every time I've watched it, I've enjoyed it a bit more because, you know, you, you kind of just have to teach yourself to let go of trying to worry about narrative and just let yourself be immersed in what he's going for. Uh, and, and I yeah. think that the more you see it, the more you can kind of get used to the rhythm of it. And, and I mean, you know what you expect at a certain point and it's still horrifying, but I, I think that you know, over time, I've I've grown to respect it more than I did the first time, uh, which I, I was just kind of so-so on it the first time I saw it. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's one of those things where I feel like I see people, you know, at the time there were a lot of attempts to sort of read what Gaspar Noe is going for in the in the film, right? Like, what is this a metaphor for her? You know, what is he trying to communicate? Because, you know, Irreversible and, and I assume Enter the Void have relatively, you know, direct in, uh, intellectual or emotional aspirations. But with, yeah. with Climax, I feel like, I mean, there are certain things you can pick up on in the movie if you want to try and find like a deeper theme or subtext but but really i feel like and i don't necessarily say this in a disparaging way um but it, it's actually a surprisingly shallow film in terms of like intellectual or emotional or or deep you know deep-rooted symbolism or something i don't actually think that climax um 
functions as an allegory for for anything really even you know i don't even think it's meant to be a representation of human nature and how corrupt human nature is which is just a banal observation in general it's just sort of what what works for me about it is it really is spectacle cinema you know it's about mm-hmm. the fact that we have a bunch of you know uh, incredibly impressive young dancers you know at the height of their powers doing this amazing choreography and the colors are great and then it just sort of spirals out into this you know it's it's just like you know it becomes like just a straight shot of just anxiety for the second half <laughs> right and yeah. i i don't think that it really is attempting to make any commentary in most ways it's just about it's 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 very experiential as as you said it's it's about just you know settling down and enjoying the sort of uh chaos and cacophony of emotions and images um that well, I mean, the it reminds film... me of something like texas chainsaw massacre for instance where mm. like is there any deeper philosophical meaning behind it I don't know. I always view it as just like a ride, you know, like it's about the experience of, you know, the environment and the action and all of that. Yeah, right. Well, it's interesting because we'll we'll get into it. um, But uh, at the start of the film, Gaspar Noé directly just tells you what his influences are without even... um, you know, without even getting into the story. I mean, first we get this very beautiful in a in a perverse way obviously this this drone shot um set to like a warped version of Satie, i think you know of this woman you know screaming and, and flailing about in the snow and her arms are bloody and she makes a sort of like gruesome snow angel in the you know at the bottom of the of the image um and and then we have the you know, in a characteristic touch, he does this in Irreversible as well, but um, we have the end credits just play right at right at the top of the film. Um, and it says, I was going to ask what you made of this. It says that one of the first things we see is that this is based on a true story, you know, that happened in 1996. <laughs> what do we think of this? I mean, you know, Gaspar Noe maintains it, but to me, it felt like one of the first, like, sort of playful touches in that this feels almost like a sort of B-horror movie in some ways, like, almost like an exploitation film. And I thought that was a sort of almost humorous touch that, you know, oh, what you're about to see is a, is a true story. Like, it was sort of wink at the audience. What did you guys make of that uh, gesture, I guess? Uh, well, I'll go for a second. Um, I, I think that I mean, it's plausible that the inciting events are rooted in reality, but there are certain facts about, like, the specifics of the drug experience that he's getting across that are simply way out of step with anything that I allegedly have any sort of experience with. So there are parts of it that are way beyond believable as as a true story. And there are... But I think, like, the basic idea of some dancers getting their their punch spiked with something that's hallucinogenic could be true, but mm-hmm. I, I really don't see the majority of the events uh, as being all that likely, but no. I, I do, I wouldn't be surprised if it's just kind of like a tongue in cheek thing. Like, well, you know, 
in a way, isn't this always happening to the body when we are subjected to our nightmares? And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there's mm-hmm. some smart ass element there, too. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know what to make of it. And I kind of just set that aside for the most part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. Uh, it is. We will say that. Uh, I mean, what do you make of the the representation of drug use in this film? Because it is, you know, for Gaspar Noe, I mean. It's it's almost weirdly not in a negative way in this case, but it's almost weirdly like a sort of reactionary's nightmare of drugs, where like just getting the punch spiked. I mean, it, I guess it could have a bad effect, but in this film, it it really spirals into like you know typically you know typical Noe obsessions like incest and hurting pregnant women and all of these various like you know extremely gothic and over-the-top scenarios so i mean i i don't again i don't think there's any commentary but like is is the drug just sort of a device in this movie for the the deranged uh antics gaspar noe really wants to get up to or like what do, what do we make of the general I, I don't think he's trying to make a larger statement about drugs yeah i, I mean i've seen that man <laughs> i don't think that man judges yeah. anyone for doing drugs Right, right. I mean, I agree. I just find it sort of funny when I watch it. Like, you know, Gaspar Noe is literally filming the the worst nightmare version of drugs, but really just. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have cut you off, but I I have a a theory about why he chose LSD as the thing that that spikes the sangria, which is that Mm -hmm. it's more recognizable as a drug. Whereas there are drugs that I think would induce a much more aggressively nightmarish, uh, violent yeah. type of behavior that's happening. So probably there's a drug that he was thinking of that has some kind of effect along these lines, uh, but nobody would know what it was. So he had to like make it a more <laughs> commonly understood hallucinogen uh, because I, I mean, yeah. LSD tends to pacify people. And even if you're having a bad trip, um, probably you're just going to want to go hide in your room by yourself it is more <laughs> right. likely to happen. But I mean, right. I'm not like an expert or anything, but I just I, I think that there are things that that just don't make sense to me about that. And that's my right. theory. <laughs> and I think the the LSD might also be to situate it within a canon of psychedelic cinema, just in general, like more, you know, because so let's talk about the interviews, which apparently this is interesting. It was literally a last minute thought, like they were like the, the movie's kind of missing an opening like a, a lead-in so like two days before filming ended he just assembled this and um put it on his tv and filmed that um so what you're seeing is gaspar noe's shelf at the start of the film like you know his vhs's and his books and uh one of the well we'll talk about the vhs's but uh, one of them is is inauguration of the Pleasure Dome by Kenneth Anger, which is, you know, regarded as one of the um, early psychedelic films in terms of uh, just you know nightmarish, colorful visuals. And I feel like the LSD might be more of a tribute to to those types of films in a way than it is to, I don't know, actual experiences people. Well, I mean, have. the reactions these people have. That would be more like an upper to me. That would be more like yeah. if you put a massive amount of speed mixed with maybe bath salts into the pot. But, <laughs> yeah, right. but less people might know what the reaction would be of that. Yeah, Whereas yeah. if you say acid or LSD, 
like the layman is like, oh, it causes a drug freak out. And they have this preconceived notion of just people losing their goddamn minds. <laughs> well, one of the funny things is that um, Gaspar Noe, you know, he got the cast together and what they did was they went on YouTube and they literally watched videos of people high on drugs, like extreme <laughs> drugs. And he's like, just pick what you want to do, right? And you know, <laughs> okay. one girl was like, oh, I want to piss myself. And the, this guy was like, I want to wear a wig. And like, you know, they all came up with the things that, you know, some of the things anyway, that they're doing in these scenes. And it's literally based on, you know, web surfing for just crazy shit people do on drugs. Um, but I thought, yeah, I just thought that was funny. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think we're all in agreement that this film isn't attempting to present a, you know, a moral message about drug use or, or even, or a, even coherent... a realistic portrayal of what it's yeah. like to be on that much acid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, let's talk about those opening interviews because I really love it as a touch to the film. I do want to shout out his wonderful stack of VHSs, which includes uh, two Fassbender films, Corel and uh, Fox and His Friends. Um, Solo, obviously, because Gaspar Noé. Uh, <laughs> but the two films that I think actually are the most directly related to this one would be Possession, which I still haven't seen. I still haven't seen it either. Same here. There, it's, there's a new restoration showing in New York in October, so I'm going to go. But obviously that's, uh, you know, and even if you haven't seen it, there's a very famous scene with uh, Isabel Adjani where she has a sort of seizure panic attack thing in the uh, in a subway tunnel. And that gets a very direct reference with Sofia Butella's character later. Um, and also, Angst is on the shelf. Um, Chris, have you seen Angst yet? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw it. I, I can definitely see, like, especially in the camera work, like, the influence on Noah yeah. is really obvious there. Uh, oh, yeah, you recommended Angst to me. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, whatever. Uh, but yeah, no, the uh, yeah the camera work in, in all of Noe's films, really, but in this one is very visible with the sort of like, you know, hanging godlike perspectives and the roving around the, uh, you know, the dark corridors of this of this dance studio. Um, but let's talk about the the cast. Like, is there anything because I find I just find aspects of this segment more interesting every time I watch it. But are there any observations you guys have on the on the really the only direct information we get from these characters in the entire movie? Like any anything that stuck out to you as as relevant to the overall I mean, experience? The very obvious one is um, and this is where I start scrolling through being like, well, her name was. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, is it Psyche? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Psyche. So Psyche woman. Yeah. Yeah. She says she's from I Berlin. Quote, I mean, not, not exact quote, but something to the effect of. I had to leave Berlin because the drug scene was so bad. I had a roommate that used to actually in like just put droplets of acid into his eyes, which will come back around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's just cut to the chase in some ways. Like the, the film is about a group of dancers that their punch gets spiked and they all lose their minds. Right. But um, I, I guess one of the surprises to me when I first saw this, which 
I'll just, as an anecdote, uh, was at a drive-in with my father in a double feature of Solo, which wasn't a nice evening. Um, <laughs> no, that was bad. That was a bad time. But John Waters was there, so I, I had to go. But it was it was a bad time. Although he did like Climax. It was sort of awkward. He liked Climax. We we still both enjoyed Climax. Solo was not a not a good experience, but um, you know, um, it it basically where was I? What was I saying? Oh, it's it's about the um, you know one of the things that surprised me was the fact that the film displays a sort of manifest disinterest in who actually spiked the punch, right? Like, yeah. it's not like they set about trying to figure out... I mean, there are some scenes... It's not a whodunit, because everyone's so messed up, they can't really figure Doesn't it out matter. anyway. Yeah. Um, but when I showed this to friends, uh, at the end of the film, you know, in in connection with what Sean was saying about what comes later... They just concluded with a certainty that I don't share, but they just said, oh, so Psyche spiked the punch. And like, that's that's the solution to that question. Right. What do we think of that? Because I mean, I that know. was my assumption, to be honest. I, I, I guess that's what you're meant to take from the ending in some ways. But I don't know. I, I just I didn't I don't know. It was sort of. I guess that they're clearly laying a, a trail in that direction with, with her interview where she's like, oh, yeah, the drugs are bad in Berlin. And, you know, I, I'm, I had friends who dropped acid in his eyes. Right. But um, I don't know. I, for some reason, that didn't click for me. But like, Chris, what do you make of it? Um, every time I've seen it, which is probably like five or six times now, I've basically felt fairly certain that. He was steering us towards assuming that was who who did it, but also making it just vague enough that you're reminded that it really doesn't matter because it's it's not a whodunit. It's not about punishing the villain. It's it's just about the experience itself. And yeah. I think when you look at that closing scene that we'll talk about in more detail, you really just have to look at it as part of the framework, uh, as like the cat, you know, the other bookend after those student intros that they have. Yeah, and, like it's just a framing device to me. It doesn't even all that matter all that much. It's just a way to, you know, introduce uh, yeah. a weird image to close it off and give some yeah. sense of closure. Yeah, I I would agree with that honestly. That that would make the most sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, so these are just they're talking about in these interviews. They're talking about dancing, uh, obviously, because it's it's you know. It's, well, they're talking about dancing and sometimes what drugs have you done, and then also sex, sex, sex. You know, about. and like na- like the stuff that stuck out to me was there's a group of black guys, for instance, and they're like, we've never worked with gay people, and it's like sort of intimidating, but we're gonna yeah, try to work through it. So that introduces a little bit of a tension, like tension there. Yeah, I mean, it is. It, it's also just personally, it's a joy to just see a literally like a meaningfully diverse range of characters in the film like you know we have people of all you know races and sexual sexualities and gender identities and everything like it is it's nice to see that that range of of people but he does start to unearth you know you know set up a little bit the the hidden you know conflicts that are going to arise between these various uh you know individuals um yeah like the brother and sister yeah as soon as the the sister says i've been to new york and he's like when did you go to new york and they're sort of bickering 
Yeah, it's uh, as soon as you see a, a, a sibling pair in a guest bar. No, like, oh, they're gonna fuck. No, right, <laughs> it's I mean... like, oh no. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a little ominous, uh, but yeah, that was you know that was one of the touches that I I enjoyed the the sort of very economic way in which the the weird relationship like the I mean, sort in of a past- weird way I almost see climax as him sort of like tongue in cheek making fun of himself. That's what yeah. I feel in some ways, too. Because it's like he takes the stuff that he's always hyper-focused on and he just makes it, like, forefront. Like, oh, yeah. there's siblings. Oh, there's a pregnant person. Yeah. And it's it's also, like, I feel like the, uh, you know, the including the stack of films and literature, it really puts this in dialogue with other movies in a way that, I don't know, it makes it feel less... You know, irreversible is very raw and painful and, you know, real in, in many ways. And and this is, is something much more, like, playful. And, and it, it does feel like, even though it's still scary and intense at points, obviously, it feels like, dare I say, Gaspar Noe is sort of having fun, you know? I mean, like, yeah, that's what... The, the The primary experience of this film for me is actually fun like i find it fun to watch even when it gets you know super dark i I don't think that he's encouraging us to take these images as um as intensely as like something like the like the 10 minute rape scene and irreversible or something you know yeah no it's it's definitely more playful i you know i only so it's really stupid of me but like obviously the people behind the camera in this scene um are meant to be uh daddy the dj and selva the choreographer but when i first saw this i just sort of assumed they were these anonymous detached voices and do you detect like a sense of menace in some of their questions like i'm thinking of specifically uh the scene with like riley i think is the character's name well is it i i don't know who i can't remember now who it is specifically but yes there is the would you do anything like to be yeah like, you to have get to get ahead to be successful nightmares you, too yeah nightmares yeah it's good yeah they they talk about like oh yeah my worst fear is you know being left alone in the dark or something and you know all of these i i like that i mean it, it's it's a good he's like sort of establishing a, a an anticipatory air like something's going to go wrong and you know just tracing out all of these little nuggets of anxieties and and also the excitement that um these people are feeling at the same time um and finally i guess we should talk about uh the france references because this is the only thing that people have latched onto as a possible meaning for the film but what do we you know they talk about france a lot and how it you know, sucks i mean it sucks right and they compare it with america like oh america's great um but but the final um you know the final uh interview is with uh emmanuel emmanuel um who she seems to I think she's like the manager maybe of the of the group would that be accurate like she seems to occupy a 
a higher up position than than a lot of the dancers like an artistic director or something yeah i I kind of assumed it was something along those lines because she it's like i think she mentions she used to be a dancer and now she's doing non-dance activity for the group of some kind like so i thought she i wasn't sure if selva was the choreographer at one point maybe if they mentioned that i forgot about it but yeah i had her her as as like an artistic director or a business manager or something along those lines for emmanuel yeah, that makes yeah. Th- that's what I assumed um, as well. But it's she talks about how like uh, you know oh we're gonna do France proud right. That's that's the that's what she says. You know something along those lines. I forget the exact dialogue, but um, and then you know we start hearing this uh, siren in the background, this sort of like droning siren, and we have like the uh, you know the various distributor logos that pop up and then it says we fade in on this bright color and it says uh you know presents a french film and proud of it against this big you know glittery french flag um i mean do you guys think there is anything going on in here about like maybe national identity and you know how that can conceal various uh I don't know, racial or sexual or social tensions. Like, do you think, I mean, because it it would surprise me if those references weren't at least partially intentional, but Gaspar Noe has been very like, no, I wasn't really thinking about that. (laughs) But um, I mean, what do you guys think? I didn't give it a whole lot of thought personally. I I don't really have much of an opinion about it. I think he's sort of just an edgelord. (laughs) So sometimes you can draw in from, infer things. And I think other times he's just like, yeah, I'm just going to put a French flag and be like, fuck you, I'm French. <laughs> yeah, I, that's probably true, though. I mean, Gaspar and I, did you like, I love that he's like, uh, you know, he's like, oh, um, I'm not a provocateur, right? Like provocateur is an American word uh, that, you know, it just describes people who make adult movies for adults, right? Um, and then the first poster for this movie. <laughs> you hated, yeah, you told me yeah, this. You hated uh, I Stand Alone. You despised <laughs> Irreversible. You know, you 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 excoriated Enter the Void. You loathed love and now try Climax. And then at the bottom, it's Gaspar Noe extending you a, a cup of sangria. Um, and it's just it's just really funny to me that you know, he tries to maintain the, uh, you know, oh, I'm just a serious filmmaker for adults. But there is there is a certain juvenile quality to some of this, which I don't think is necessarily negative. But I mean, do you guys ever get the sense? I mean, I'm sure you, you do in some ways, but do you ever get the sense that he really is just sort of doing this for kicks to, to try and shock people? I mean, I think he's a serious filmmaker, but at the same time, like, he reminds me of Nicholas Winding Refn a little bit where, you know, or certain filmmakers of that ilk where they'll get a little punchy during interviews and maybe they're cognizant of the fact that they are a brand in themselves and they resent <laughs> that. So they fuck with people. Mm, it's possibly true. I do yeah. think he's a serious filmmaker, but yeah, go ahead, Chris. I, I was going to say, I, I think I would tend to agree with what Sean said, but then the other thing that I would tie that to is... um in terms of all of his movies, they, they have a fascination with the dividing lines between illusion and material reality. And mm. I, I, I situate like his ridiculous statements that are at face value, 
not meant to be taken completely seriously as just part of him partaking in in the act of illusion that is art and and doing it mm. in an absurd way that calls attention to itself so you yeah know, like in in climax I, I would say that yeah it's mostly an experiential movie but where i would say the substance is is in exploring that line where the you know illusions are embodied things happening inside of a brain and reality disrupts that and illusions are used to cope with reality and so like he's pretty much constantly commenting on where those divisions are and that's kind yeah. of where the the real meat of the movie is in terms of the english major type stuff that you want to talk about sometimes <laughs> yeah right right no, i would agree i would agree and and his public performance of uh a sort of i don't know like 70s style <laughs> provoking you know interviewers and you know, saying outrageous things um, is is part of that concern, which which carries through all of his work. But um, I guess we should get into the first scene. I mean, I don't know if there's much to talk about in terms of there isn't anything to talk about in terms of plot. But this opening scene has got to be one of like, honestly, one of my favorite scenes in anything because it's so exhilarating and exciting to watch. Um, they basically do this incredible choreography to uh i think it's super nature i don't i'm not familiar with the song um but the sort of throbbing sort of disco beat in a way and it's really just breathtakingly staged i mean i don't know what else to say about it in terms of i don't know form or content other than that uh you know it's it's a relief to see this done in long take whereas you know most movies with dancing nowadays like to, it to cut like it cut, up. Cut, cut, yeah. Yeah, along with the beat, right? Like every time there's a, every time there's a beat in the in the track, they just cut to to emphasize the spectacle. But in this, you actually get to look at the dancers, and they're just some like astonishing people who are who are working on this film. Yeah, it's I mean, a nice mix of styles too, because you have like. Maybe the more aggressive, considered traditionally male dance, which is just yeah. very like, I don't know how else, aggressive. And then you yeah. know, maybe the more female version, which would, and, and then like various styles within those two kind of yeah. I mean, more the broader uh, conceits. One of the most striking moments I think is when, and maybe one of the more telling in in regard to if there is a theme, the film's theme. But the uh, you know the the guys form this sort of. I don't know how to describe it, but they form a sort of single entity at one point where like they're all grasping onto each other's um, arms and like elbows and knees. And they form this sort of like walking. Uh, I, I don't know spider. how to describe it. <laughs> I think of it yeah, as a spi spider. Yeah, it's like a spider. Um, that's that's I guess that's the right word. Uh, and it's it's really it's showing, I think, this what this film is meant to. I mean, Gaspar Noé is a pessimistic filmmaker, obviously, but one of the things that I think this sequence exhibits so exquisitely is is he also does have a faith in that human beings at least can temporarily create something really beautiful and powerful and expressive if they are, you know, attuned by whatever various factors need to be in place for that to happen. Um and this has a real joy for the, I mean, this scene, it's like, it's, it's, it's just, 
it's 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 about the beauty of a collaborative spirit and and artistic creation and you know all of these you know what people can do when they're you know working in unison to, toward a single goal um and it's it's just it's just amazing to watch i mean any any observations about this in terms of i don't know actual um details of what's going on or or just how you feel about the scene i mean in i like that the steppy dance but i don't know what the fuck it's yeah. called but the thing where it's like you're on your you're basically hunched down and you're doing the little step dance yeah yeah, yeah. where there's sort Duck of like walk. a hot yeah yeah, yeah 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 and then they do they, like the hands st- yeah where know. they they move them around their heads and that sort of uh i don't know and then yeah it's impressive to see the people that can like dislocate their shoulder looking type shit and just like that guy is amazing that one guy who can do that thing with his arms i think there is one contortionist on the film that yeah. gaspar Noe I, I think found them like two weeks before they started shooting was you know somebody who could contort themselves in pretty impressive ways um and they you know they do a great job of can, can i mention themselves. i wanted to mention one yeah. thing about the contortionist that i love I, in terms of all of the just wildly inaccurate or unreasonable things that are presented as part of an lsd trip i think the thing the detailed thing that sticks out to me the most is the use of the contortionist and how yeah me too that that kind of thing where it's like Obviously, there's a real person doing real movements, but they're just not right somehow. It would be the kind of yeah. thing that would really set off an unpleasant experience, I think, if you just yeah. you might catch it and be like, what the fuck is going on with that guy? Because you wouldn't necessarily yeah. jump to like, well, he's just a contortionist doing his thing. And I, I think <laughs> that's a, a great detail that brings it down to at least a semblance of reality where that would be a kind of a weird, unsettling thing to watch in that kind of a headspace that he's going for. Yeah. Yeah, I I think really in terms of what actually unsettles me, um, the most unsettling shot is is late in the film. So uh, Sofia Batella or or is Selma Selva uh, is sort of wandering away from the closet where Tito is, and and in the background you just have the contortionist. Um, I think it's the contortionist is doing this sort of his head is bowed so he's sort of headless and his arms are just you know doing this weird like sort of lilting jerking motion uh above his head and it looks like it's like an alien organism of some kind just in the background of this of this shot and it's just so eerie and unsettling um but also very impressive and amazing it's just you know yeah i, I would agree with you chris that the the use of the contortionist as as something that would actually maybe trigger somebody who's who's on a bad trip um w- makes more sense than basically anything else we <laughs> see in this movie um yeah uh any anyway, i mean there's not much to say uh I yeah think i mean in- I, I i sort of unashamedly told brian off air i was like so i'd probably have sex with all of these people <laughs> it is they're beautiful people it's a delightfully horny film yeah it is very horny they do have that uh sort of moment where they all come together and are sort of exchanging caresses and these sort of sensuous glances at each other and it is very there's like an orgiastic quality to it um and they're very beautiful people like every one of them is you know not just for their for their looks but even just their their talent is makes them incredibly exciting and wonderful people to watch i I mean i really do 
I I wish we actually got to see th- this sort of of beauty on film more in terms of like you know nowadays there's this great article where uh, I forget the title is a. Uh, Everyone is beautiful, but no one is horny, right? Which is yeah, about I wrote the that. yeah, Paris it's Benedict, it's it's yeah, yeah oh, it's great, it's great. I it's just a great piece where she's talking about the uh, the fact that you know every film is is stocked with the most generically handsome or beautiful people you could find, like just the the common denominator of attractiveness, but. There's no um there's no excitement or sexuality to any of it whereas in this film not only are you know all of the people not only attractive but you know distinctive and and interesting in how they're attractive different um, body types but also, too yeah different body types like a whole range of you know not just like of ages of races of of body types of hairstyles of forms of dress like there's you know cross-dressing going on there's very you know gender coded and then gender ambiguous outfits going it's it's just really just it's beautiful to see and it's like you know you want to be around these people until obviously until you don't until you don't (laughs) um but yeah i mean it's just a great scene um i i never tire of watching it when i when i see this film um because it's just it is sort of just refreshing to see like Hey, it's people, and it's they're people. talking like people and having normal people desires. Yeah, well, well, that's what. So after the dance, um, she shouts, "God is with us," is what she says, which obviously going to have a bitter irony later. But um, <laughs> we then sort of, and I think this shot is just—it's the same shot as when they're dancing. So this is just a really extended long take, very impressive, but. Uh, the camera sort of dips down you know it's been like regarding them from above and now it sort of comes down into the uh into the fray of all of these people right and this is where we start to get the little details of what's going to go wrong uh set up for us um i mean i think the first thing you notice and this is just I mean, you see that Emmanuel has her, like, five-year-old son here, right? And that's already, uh, to use an overused term, that's that's a red flag. Like, why are you bringing children to this building? Not that there's anything unsafe about it on the surface, but, you know, no, there's alcohol. No, past that, it's like, it's a bunch of dancers, and, like, they're probably going to do drugs and be horny. Like, why would you bring yeah. your child <laughs> Yeah, yeah no. I, I think it's interesting how they like there's not really much of a big narrative, but there's lots of mini narratives. And one of them is they yeah. they really emphasize how Emmanuel is kind of a bad mom and constantly trying to prove to her kid that she's not a bad mom. Like if you really track the things that she says, it's like she's got some bad parenting mistake in her past that she's trying to make up for. And you can hear it in she says things to Tito like I- I'm a good mom, aren't I? And and things like that that reveal an insecurity that you know, obviously yeah. blows up in her face later on. Um, but I think this is kind of it's good to think about this movie as like made up of mini narratives as um, yeah rather than one big one. Yeah, well, we see the little you know relationships starting to get established. So Psyche has her girlfriend with her. I don't 
know the girlfriend's name. Uh, I- Ivana, I'm checking. <laughs> Ivana. Psyche and Ivana, they're on the rocks, is what you see, that Psyche sort of ignores her and, you know, is sort of snubbing her in some ways. Um, meanwhile, we see Selva with... Uh, oh, what am I... Uh, Lou, I should say. Is it Lou? Is, is her name Lou? I, I can't Lou remember. Lou is the pregnant woman. Um, we were talking... Yeah, well, we don't find out. They're, they're sort of talking about abortion and pregnancy, um, but we don't find out that Lou is pregnant till later, which casts that conversation in a, in a very different light, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean... It's, you know, it's, were there any specific narratives you wanted to zero in on here? Because there's a lot, there is a lot going on, um, you know, in terms of little tiny character threads that are being established. Anything? I mean, I'll, I'll bring up a few, but keep in mind, hmm. I'm sound like a moron because I'm not going to remember anybody's name. <laughs> okay. But um, there's one in particular that like struck me as a very authentic slash gross straight male conversation mm. where is it the, the two cousins i think i think cousins. it's the cousins yeah and they yeah. get into like it's sort of normal at first like oh i'd really fuck that person but then they get into like you just gotta go and like if it's dry you just go anyway and i was like okay like come yeah, on. it's getting a, well you the funny thing about that scene was he told the actors talk about anything right and the actors said can we talk about sex and he said yes but if you do use the most vulgar language you could possibly use <laughs> is what he's and that's why actually that's why Corel is is on the shelf at the start because he says it it has the sleaziest di- dialogue he's seen outside of a, pornogra- a pornography film um but um uh it's it is very like uh i don't know i mean chris i i think I, you've spoken before of your reservations surrounding how Gaspar Noe depicts a certain type of, I don't know, machismo or, you know, bro dude culture or whatever. I did. What did you, what did these scenes play like to you? I mean, these are the scenes that if I have to, if I'm going to skip over something, it's these because like, I don't like, I, I feel like I understand a little bit about what he's going for and trying to have some breathing room between dance sequences and spend some time with the characters just doing whatever. Um, but mm. the way that I, I, it makes sense the way that he you described his guidance to the actors to be as crude as possible. <laughs> and it's like, OK, well, certainly I'm not um, who you would typically think of in terms of locker room talk guy or, or hanging out with the bros and talking about sex in a crude way with people. And so it might just be that I'm really disconnected from that. But it seemed like even granting the fact that there are people who say gross things about sex or who are just really derogatory toward potential partners of some kind uh it still feels like very artificial in in the way that it's presented in the way that they just don't shut up about the same boring comments that like Hmm. they'd be the things that would be uh interesting in an edgy way to a teenager but these are people who are like mid-20s and older and it's not like Mm, that doesn't happen but it just it felt like it was excess for the sake of excess which could just be noah doing his thing of like well i'm just gonna put this in there and fuck with people and see what the effect is on the movie you know i i don't know why it is but honestly that that part i kind of skip over half the time i watch the movie Um, (laughs) just because it's boring too like it's not even interesting because you get like 10 minutes of these more or less you've seen them being interviewed but that's in more of a professional setting 
and you've seen them dance, you've seen what they specialize in. This is them actually just like, like actually just being people and like what their actual opinions are and how they act when they're not on these guys camera or, you know, when they're not, you know, dancing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so some of the other important ones would be, um, you know, there's obviously the brother and sister pair where, you know, he's weirdly possessive and intrusive about her relationship with Omar. Um, you know, she, she's, Omar is her boyfriend and he's like well what do you get up to and she's like you know I'm not you know I'm not a child you know she's like 21 at this point so it's not you know it's weirdly controlling of him to be probing into her affairs like that obviously yeah don't Um, tell dad yeah meanwhile uh David is with Omar and he's also talking about uh, who who does David wants to have sex with Selva? Basically everyone. Everyone. Right? Yeah. everyone, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he even tries to talk Omar into allowing a threesome, which was rather awkward to watch, I thought. Um, but you know, it's just, David's cringe. just again very much in the same register of uh, vulgarity and intense uh, sexual horniness or whatever. Um, and then the last one that I really remember is. Uh, Riley is with Daddy, and Riley wants to, or apparently wants to seduce David, but that's not going to happen, obviously, and the two characters will come together in in different ways at the end of the film. Um, But yeah, I mean, is there anything we should note before? I I do find one of, uh, it was one of the things that I found annoying when I first watched it, but enjoyed more on reviewings. Um, the fact that this scene is presented in very quick, like, you know, he'll have an interaction and then he'll cut to black for two seconds and we'll be back in the same interaction. It's just sort of these little, like, punctuation elements, um, you know, across the the interactions. I mean, that, that sort of annoyed me a little bit when I first watched it, just in terms of... Um, you know, visual quality, but, but on this watch, it might also be like intentionally a disorienting effect where almost like strobe lights. I mean, he does love that shit. Yeah, he does. He does. As we know from irreversible or, or it could be just, um, sort of, you know, little sort of mini conclusions to the exchanges that are going on. But it could also be something like he's trying to mimic, like if you were there, you would blink. And when you blink, there'd be a little, yeah, but I don't know. That might be drawing too much. Yeah, yeah, I, I took um, it as um, kind of continuing the the home video effect of having watched those interviews on the t- on the old TV in the beginning, where like it's just a really rough, unprofessional kind of cut that's made to look kind of like a home video of some kind. Yeah, um, yeah. it didn't really annoy me that he did that, but I, I do feel like it's it does create a kind of ambiguity about how much time is passing in between each of these cuts. Yeah, oh certainly, yeah, and you don't get a sense of the. Uh the the relationship and space of where these characters are to each other either like they're yeah. sort of in these little beautiful colors and lighting in this by the way but um you know in these little like boxes that are sort of fragmented from each other not just in terms of a uh, composition but literally in terms of the editing they're they're sort of starting to separate and um we should also mention that you know just briefly that uh 
they're all feeling some spooky vibes about this building, (laughs) (laughs) which they don't, they don't delve too deep into. So one thing I've always been confused about, and maybe Mm. it's just because I'm an idiot. Where are they? What country are they supposed to be in? They're in France. France. They are in France. Okay. I thought that, but. But they think that the, it's sort of this isolated snowy, I don't know, dance studio in the middle of a snowy field or something. Um, and it's, they're like, oh, it has like a, you know, bad vibes, like a human sacrifice Well, they place. talk about the flag is there a lot and there's crosses and stuff. Yeah, I could say, I liked that, that the fact that Gaspar Noe, in, at least in these exchanges, can sort of pick up, you know, even without having done drugs how innocuous details can sort of become kind of annoying or unsettling even if you know if you're in a certain state of mind it doesn't need to be high necessarily but like the fact that the guys are sort of just bothered by the flag like how big and prominent it is in the room or you know the the sort of odd furnishing of the you know the walls with crosses and everything and it's it, I, I i enjoyed just that touch um it's sort of like how he plays around with like i mean it's it's fairly obvious there's nothing supernatural going on no but he does sort of play around with it at the beginning of like this place is gives me bad vibes and like yeah i bet there's a cult here and people just being creeped out by a place yeah yeah well it's it's about the atmosphere of of you know and especially if you look at some of the other films that he likes um you know including those on the shelf but how you know overwhelming and depressive the atmosphere just of a of a place can become um regardless of what's actually going on in the place um but yeah no it's it's good and then i might be missing something well was there anything else we wanted to say about the this uh, portion of the film i mean i will say the conversations i don't they're not saying anything so important i think no. the point is more just to have a sort of downtime before the next uh dance yeah. sequence yeah yeah 